Welcome to Slug's bi-weekly Slug Soundwaves podcast. Here, in our print mag and on slugmag.com, enjoy our curated content that highlights the best of Utah's alternative and underrepresented music, arts, events, and community subcultures. If Slug has benefited you or someone you love, consider contributing to sustain our existence. Head to slugmag.com donate to join our community of donors. KRCL was founded in 1979 to bring a more diverse voice to Salt Lake City and surrounding areas. KRCL is community-funded and supported, which allows diverse commercial-free programming that varies from indie to hip-hop, blues to bluegrass, metal, punk, indigenous, and bilingual programs. And every weekday at 6 p.m., KRCL's Radioactive brings you grassroots activism and civic engagement with punk rock farming and live local music on Fridays. Tune in to KRCL at 90.9 FM, stream at krcl.org, or download the app on the App Store. This episode contains discussions of depression and suicide and forms of sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Shh! Are you listening? This is Slug Soundwaves. Anais Chantal is a singer-songwriter who grew up in Oakland, California. She moved to Utah as a child and attended art schools until college at the University of Utah. She opened for Rina Sawayama and played at Kelby Block Party in 2023. She debuted her first EP called Birdie in 2019 and more recently released her first full-length album in 2023. It's called Where Do I Go? In this episode, she talks about an experience she had as a teenager, which inspired both the EP and the album, and how the two were written from different phases of her trauma healing journey. My name is Anaï Chantal. I grew up in a very musical household with parents who met as musicians at 13 years old. They were in a band together. So I grew up listening to a lot of jazz. Uh, My mom was a classical singer, but my dad also loved like Paul Simon. Erica Badu, you know, as there was no shortage of music in my house. I'm grateful for this day. The new breaths I take. The main artist that I can remember listening a lot to was uh, guitarist John Schofield, Erica Badu, Lauren Hill, um, Billie Holiday, and Ella Fitzgerald. Billie Holiday was actually really big for me in terms of the development of my voice. So a lot of people, when they hear me sing, they're like, I hear it so much, like, you sound just like Billie Holiday. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I've listened to hours and hours and hours upon hours just studying her voice. And I listened to it so much that it kind of just, it just happened. (laughs) Esperanza Spalding, I really love. But I also listened to Nirvana. I love Kurt Cobain. I love yeah, Nirvana was really big for me, the Beatles, um, and Chopin, you know, so kind of all over the place. So I'd say my music has a pretty heavy jazz influence. A lot of the drums um, were based off of hip-hop drum loops. So there's definitely that influence in there. And I really, really love synthesis. I love the different sounds that synths can make. And so that was a big influence in my kind of departure from my more jazz 
project to this kind of more neo soul, hip hop, jazz, some pop influence kind of realm. <laughs> Nothing's gonna take that So I released Where Do I Go at the end of 2023, and it took me a very painful, difficult three years to create because I was really struggling with what to write about. After my project that I released in 2019, I kind of felt like, what else do I have to say? What does little old me have that's important to share with people? So I cried a lot during that period because I felt like maybe is music over for me? Like what, what else can I give? That's where Where Do I Go really blossomed because it was just a really, it was very experimental for me. The first song, Where Do I Go, that was the first song I wrote. And I ended up writing that after someone that I knew, really kind person, ended up passing away at the age of 24. And I got the call that he had passed when I was traveling. I remember being on a bus and wondering, like, where is he now? And so Where Do I Go started as a kind of a more solemn song of like where where is he like where do we go when we die but then it kind of started changing and it started becoming more of like embracing the confusion embracing how lost that i was and viewing that as a moment to really find myself I wrote and wrote and started collaborating with different people, with my um, partner, my friend Scott Seibert and Adam Fuller. And I really just got to find who I was. Because it had taken so long and taken three years, I really, by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm in such a different place. So it felt kind of weird to put it out there. With Birdie, it was because it was a concept album, I had a very, very clear vision on what the story was, um, which I had centered it around trigger warning, my my grooming that happened to me when I was um, yeah around 14 to 15. And so that follows that whole story of like the manipulation. when I was I believe around six five six seven my mom was um, really sick at the time my dad was having to work so my family was really helping to pitch in and take care of us so yeah my family had to rely on our community and unfortunately I neighbor decided to the one of the boys decided to take advantage of that and um, that was that was really hard. And I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know what's happening to you. And I think that's where a lot of my silence came from. When we moved to Utah, it was really scary, but it was kind of a relief because I was safe. You know, I was in a different place. But then, so as as I got older, that was when I when I went to art school. I met a friend, and her brother was really interested in me. I was. 14 he was in college you know definitely an appropriate age gap and he was a musician as well so we'd write music together and he kind of tainted that for me i think at that time i thought we were in love i really did and that's where like um you know doctor really comes from lithium a lot of my songs actually because i i thought it was my first love when we were involved for 
a year and a half and he <laughs> this is so crazy i was like 14 or 15 and i had a dream that if I looked in his phone, I would see something bad. And I wasn't somebody that would like look at other people's phone, but this dream was so vivid. So I did. And I found sexts between him and his ex-girlfriend. So I confronted him about it. And he was like, you know about the baby? I was like, the baby? Like, I didn't see that. So yeah, he ended up getting his ex-girlfriend pregnant and I was heartbroken. I did not tell anybody because I, I think I knew that this was wrong. And I did have a feeling that it was wrong and that he was too old and I was I was 14, you know? But then she, she lost the baby and I went back with him. He continued grooming me and then she got pregnant again. And at this point I was, you know, I was in a new school and I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was later I was on the train going to school, going from Lehigh to Salt Lake City, and his dad was there and told me about how this girl faked her pregnancy to get rid of me. <laughs> yeah, she found out about us and so she faked a pregnancy. It was so unbelievable and I was so young and like, who do you talk to? Who will understand when you're 15 years old? So I relied heavily on people online. I was on forums with other people who had been in that situation that I'm sure were a lot older than me, but I just didn't have anybody to talk to. Um, and I was really scared for a while. I was scared that he would come and find me. Um, and then it wasn't later on until I learned about what grooming was. And I found out like, that was not my boyfriend. Like I've been scared from 15 to 22, 23, because like he was a predator. He, you know, I I was a victim of, of his abuse. And, you know, I tried to get the police involved later on, I ended up calling that girl to see if she would like testify. And, you know, she was like, you know, I, w I just, I want you to know, like he was really depressed and he was really hurt. And I was like, this is, I couldn't handle it, it was too much, so. Unfortunately, he's gotten away with what he's done, but, you know, I know what he did, he knows what he did, and his whole family knows what he did. So many people have to go through this, so many people go through this, and it, it's so heartbreaking, and they don't even know what's happening to them. That's why I really want to give a voice to those people because it, it's it's such a hard situation. I'll have to carry this forever, but I'm a strong person and I recognize that now. When I was in middle school, I started having flashbacks of my childhood trauma, um, something that I had like really shoved pretty deep down. And I had a total mental breakdown. I would have moments where I would just fall to the ground. And people thought I was having seizures, um, but I now realize that it was just, it was literally a mental breakdown. Uh, and I ended up being hospitalized twice for attempts. And it's been something that I've had to really grow from and carry with me. I, for so long, wanted to find like this answer or for somebody to tell me something that would change everything, that would make it so that I would no longer have my trauma. And I had the tough realization after going to this retreat, this like free retreat for survivors that that's not how life is. It, it just doesn't work like that. I guess there's a reason that like a lot of people who have this kind of trauma are creatives because when I couldn't tell anybody, when I didn't feel like I had a voice, I felt like I had to do this alone 
the way that I coped was through music. And I still have this little manila folder of like songs that I was writing of just how invisible and scared I felt. I mean, I slept in a sleeping bag until I was like 14 years old because I was so scared. Like I would sleep in my parents' room. Like I was just a, I've been a terrified kid my whole life. And now as an adult, you know, those things that impact you as a child, they stick with you. But this is the first time where I'm like, I am not afraid anymore. Hold me closer. Tell me things are just fine. And I want to have control of my life because I, I can't let those people that hurt me stop me from succeeding and stop me from being who I want to be. And I, I really, when I live my life, I want to look back at it and really feel like I did everything that I wanted to do. Nothing held me back. I don't want to feel like I have any regrets. And that's what really pursuing music has been. That's It's been so important because music really saved me. It gave me a voice. I have so many times where I'm so glad that I didn't take my life. I'm so glad that I'm here. I'm always so grateful. Every year is just another year that I survived and kicked depression's ass, you know? <laughs> With this project, this recent project, I was focusing a lot on the future, what I saw for myself, experiences that I was having at the time, especially because I feel like that was a time where I was also like discovering my sexuality and really starting to become more comfortable with who I was, embracing my culture as a biracial woman and really being more proud of who I am, which is still a continuous journey. Classic was that was a song that I kind of wrote about this like girl that I met that was like really mesmerizing and kind of mysterious and like everybody was kind of looking at her but she was interested in me and it was one of those moments where I like was not embarrassed that I was like this girl dancing with this other girl and like you know it was kind of like whatever I don't care like this is who I am and so that's where the inspiration for uh, that song came from. It's kind of been a big transition because I think my audience is changing. And so now I'm trying to find who they are. I remember one of my first shows I played, it had a lot of older people, which is totally fine. But when I say older, I mean like in their 70s, like older people that were like, whoa, this girl's reviving jazz. This is great. So, you know, those people naturally listen to my music. And I would say that's why Spring on that project had the most streams um, because everybody compared it to Nora Jones and um, people love Nora Jones. But this is kind of me taking baby steps towards the kind of music that I want to create and who I am. I feel like Ruby is probably my favorite song. I had uh, my friend Chris Johnson uh, orchestrate the strings for me. And so it's just really got this really big dramatic sound. It's got a music video that accompanies it that I'm really proud of. That story 
of Ruby. It follows, honestly, a tragedy of this girl that's kind of fallen into... For me, it can be addiction. It can be just like really falling into like that plummeting into depression. That's I really wanted to capture that in this song. I try and write songs for people that don't feel like they can speak for themselves. So that's why I wanted Ruby to be about somebody who's just really struggling and that just wants love, just wants to be held, wants to be seen, and how sometimes we end up in these situations in our lives that we don't choose and they can be really hard and and so yeah I did that's kind of the story that I wanted to tell with Ruby and I, I I'm really proud of this song you're about to hear Ruby from my album where do I go in its entirety
So what's next is my EP recipe. I'm so excited. It's got four songs, three or four songs, one interlude. I'm really happy with how it's turning out. I just finished the recording of it. So now we're just gonna get into like more of the editing and the mixing. And I'm really excited to share where I'm at because I'm in such a creatively fulfilling space right now. So I'm, I'm excited for people to hear who Ana East is when she's like, I'm doing this thing, like this is me. And I just feel so, like the creative juices are, are flowing right now. <laughs> this episode was produced by me, Mary Colbertson, and was promoted by the Slug Magazine editorial team. Special thanks to Adam Fuller, Jackson Garrick, Chris Johnson, Scott Seibert, Pierce Samuels, Alex Renola, and Parker Mortensen. If you enjoyed this episode of Soundwaves, please take 60 seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Did you enjoy this episode of Slug Soundwaves? You and the local community can continue to enjoy Slug Mag's content for free, but please consider making a one-time or ongoing contribution. Each contribution, no matter the amount, Help support Slug's creation of thoughtful media coverage on SLC's music, arts, events, and community subcultures. Head over to slugmag.com donate to make your contribution today.